This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, the aviation industry is one of the coolest in Canada, but it's not easy to get into. Not because it's actually difficult, it just is hard to find info. Kendra Kincaid, air traffic controller by profession, honorary colonel in the RCAF, and founder of Elevate Aviation, tells us how she thrives in aviation and gives some fantastic advice on how to get started in the aviation industry. Her organization is helping you do that. Hackers are using USB cords and job applications to steal your information and so much more. Hank the Hacker gives us tips on how to spot phony cables and phony job scams if you're out and about and looking. And are you okay with new phones? And what about cleaning out your fridge? All of this and more on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. As I've shared many times here on the Shift, my son is taking his pilot's license, something that I love, something that I did, did not finish. Which, I, I in hindsight, I regret it completely, not finishing it. But at the same time, I'm kind of glad I didn't. Because now my gratitude around it is completely different. And I think my perspective is different around flying today. I would like to do different kinds of flying today than I would have wanted to do back then. Back then, it was get my butt in any seat I could get into, whether it was a basic Cessna to learn, um, an old 30s Stearman, an extra 600 aerobatics plane to which I've shared the video on the shift heads Facebook page where I barf my brains out. And all of these things I think are really, really cool. I think that more people would get access to flying if they knew how. And I think that flying has actually done a very terrible job. Aviation has done a terrible job at being accessible to normal people. Aviation is what Rich people do. Rich people own airplanes. Um, Oh, the schooling to be a pilot. Oh, I couldn't do that. Well, I can tell you anybody can do it. My old goalie from hockey when I played midget hockey, he's a pilot. And I hit him in the head with a puck many times. And so I'm telling you this. If he can be a pilot, (laughs) trust me, anybody can be a pilot. I'm joking, of course. His name's Jason. He's awesome. The... um, But the reality is, is that I don't think it's been very accessible. It's been that place with a big fence around it that nobody can get into. And I think that when we see Elevate Aviation and people that are standing up to create access to aviation, that's cool. And this is why Kendra is here. Kendra Kincaid uh, joins us with a long list of credentials of things that Kendra gets up to. Um, Founder and chair, Nav Canada, employer, brand specialist, air traffic controller, uh, overall plane nerd, I, safe enough to say, Kendra? Like, where, which one do you want to take on today? Oh, wow. Wow. I don't know. Um, thanks for having me, yo. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I agree that uh, aviation has done a kind of terrible job at exposing the careers and showing people the incredible opportunities that are inside this industry. And mm-hmm. we're trying to change that. We, we are not trying to change that. We are changing that. You are changing that. I, I air traffic control. Oh my God, what a stressful mm-hmm. job. Most stressful it's job in the world. Not the I actually pylons. applied. Yeah, <laughs> not at all. I did it. I applied once to do it. I had, when I went into the test years ago and um, I had no idea what I was in for, of course. And it's a time test and a sort of a cognitive test and all these things. And I just didn't answer the questions fast enough. Right. And, but, and then it's like you have 18 months before you can take the test again. And so I thought, as I think back on it now, I think how incredibly inhibiting is that? Because there's no access point to ask questions. There was no, Hey, by the way, call Steve. He will explain it. There was no preface of what am I even in for here? Because I don't have an air traffic controller in my life that can tell me I do now. Alejandro, but I, I didn't at the time that someone could say, Hey, by the way, you know, just so you know, the, the, this is what the test is about, right? This is how you can prepare yourself for that test. Here's some practice that you can do. Like none of it was accessible. So it seems incredibly difficult. And that's just one part of your job, which by the way, amazing job. Yeah. I always say uh, for me, it's been the best job in the world. And I've been doing this for 24 years in October, it'll be 24 years. And wow. yeah, like, unless you know someone who's an air traffic controller, how do you know? Like people really think they're the people with the orange pylons outside. That's what most people think when I ask. Right. Um, and and so one of the first, the first program that we started, we Elevate started with a calendar to raise money for the Lowe's Hole Hospital. Um, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro and that 
anyway, that was a fundraiser for it. But the first program after that we started that launched Elevate Aviation was a mentorship program. So we could connect people and it's civilian and military. We have two different streams. Uh, we could connect people with people that they want to be like. So if you want to be an air traffic controller, we'll connect you with an air traffic controller and they can tell you all that stuff. Like, what is the job like? Is it shift work? Is it not like, is it 24 hours? Is it stressful? Is it as stressful as they say? Um, do I have to move to the Yukon? Do I have to move to the Yukon? Oh, yes, of course. Like all those questions, because they're they're not available unless unless you know someone. So um, I think mentorship is a huge part of getting into aviation, and of course, elevate is geared towards women. But like I said, it's for for everyone, and I think everyone benefits from mentorship. Yeah. And let me just declare that to begin with, um, Elevate Aviation, when you go there, it celebrates women in aviation on the website in a big way, in a bold and beautiful way, frankly. It does not mean, this is that age old conversation, well, what about me? It does not mean in any way that it excludes anybody. It just celebrates women in aviation. It's an access point for everybody. So uh, I, I need to declare that because I don't want anyone to feel like um, that, well, I went to the website, it's a bunch of chicks on it and therefore I can't go. That's not the case. So now, you know, um, but women in aviation matter, it's been a growing segment. It's still a very small segment, but we are starting to see, um, I remember when I was at WestJet that there was a time when they had celebrated an all female crew, right? All flight attendants were female, all pilots were uh, female. And they also made sure that, um, the all ramp crew that day, so there was nothing on that flight that didn't celebrate women in aviation. So there's some cool stuff going on. Yeah, there, are, there, there, there really is. And um, but the funny thing about it is that it's still being celebrated. Like right. we want to get it to the point where it's no big deal. Yeah. It, it really yeah, is. Yeah, no well, it's the point where you know it's the it's the I don't care, but I care. Yeah, yeah. Right yeah. moment. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, are it's we seeing a t- an uptick though in participation, interest in from young women to get into aviation? Yes, yes, we are. I mean, I think COVID, I mean, I don't have the actual stats after COVID, but COVID definitely, you know, did a little bit of damage, I think. Um, But now we're coming out of COVID again and we're working really hard. And there's other groups out there too. There's, you know, the Northern Lights Aero Foundation has um, a gala in uh, October out east. Uh, There's uh, the Canadian Women Aviation Conference that goes on. There's different areas that do different things. So, you know, people are really trying. And, um, and sometimes people ask me why, like, like someone said to me early on, they said, why are you trying to get women in aviation? If they wanted to be there, they would be. Hmm. And we have proven that over and over and over again, that that's not true. And when women yeah. find out about aviation, they love that. They love it. They love it. Yeah. Well, I think that's evidenced in, in flight attendants because women felt like they were welcome there. And they clearly, I mean, my, uh, Melanie, my partner's mom flew as a flight attendant forever. I mean, her personal email address is something to do with loving aviation. It, it's not to do with loving being a flight attendant. It's loving the world of aviation. It's a dick an addictive world. It is. Just so you know, like when it you is. get into it and you realize you're of service, it's cool stuff and you get to go places like it's, it's an addictive, beautiful world. What's your favorite part? I mean, you sit for obviously you have all these projects that are going on, but you do sit in, in the big tower and, and do the thing. Well, not really, but you know what I mean? You sit in front of the screen and you do the things, but what, um, what, why for you, why are you there? Uh, so I just, so, so people know, so the audience knows I, I don't sit in a tower, uh, either. So I, in Edmonton, the Edmonton, there's seven centers across Canada and the one in Alberta is here in Edmonton. And we work 5.5 million square miles of airspace out of this building that I'm in right now. And uh, from the North Pole down to the States and, and all over Canada, big, big, big chunk of Canada. And, um, you know, when I was young, I was, someone asked me, do you want to see where I work? You know, I was trying to figure out what I want to do in life. And so I walked into this air traffic control center in Moncton, New Brunswick, and they opened the doors. And I, I will never forget that moment. I was just like, oh, I don't know what they're doing here, but I, I love it. And I want to do it too. And um, it just, I, I fought to be an air traffic controller. It was a long journey, but I fought to be an air traffic controller after that. And 24 years later, I still love sitting in front of that radar screen and talking to the pilots and helping them navigate the sky safely. And I don't know, there's just something about it when you leave 
you're proud. You're proud of the work that you do. You're, you know, you can stand, stand up tall and say, I'm an air traffic controller or a pilot or, you know, anyone in aviation, they all do it. They all stand proud and say, you know, I'm an aircraft maintenance engineer. Like it's, mm. there's definitely something about aviation. And, and for me, the niche was definitely was air traffic control that brought me in. That's beautiful. But it's a job of service. I mean, every job there is a job of service. And I think it's, um, it just presents in front of us so many people all the time that we don't realize it. Now, most people don't know what goes on behind the scenes uh, there for what you do specifically, but it's a busy job. And I'm a little surprised at the amount that you get done in a day because you guys are very focused when you're sitting in front of your screen. It's not like you're death scrolling TikTok, right? Going, no, 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 no. Turn no. left. No, that's not the case. <laughs> Yeah, no, and and we get we get breaks as well. Like we we get you know uh, a number of breaks throughout the day because you can only sit in front of that radar for so long. Whether you're busy or not busy, you can your attention can only be held for so long. So you know, there's definitely times when we're really really busy and you need a break. But there's also times where it's slower and you also need a break from that because you don't want your attention to wander either. So it's a, it's a nice combination of sitting in 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 you know having your concentration on high and then taking a break and then going back in again throughout the day so that the controller stays, um, you know, ready to work in a good position, mm-hmm. mindset to work. But it is mm-hmm. a fascinating job. Like it's, I try to show as many people the behind the scenes and, and through our organization, we do different programs that allow people to, to come into the control center of the towers and, and see behind the scenes. And, and everyone that comes in is like, Oh my, Oh my gosh, I didn't even know. And I'm like, no, nope, I know. I know. Now you do. So tell me, Tell me about the babies. Tell me the work that you guys are doing to get it in front of kids. Cause I think that that's incredible. Sure. Yeah. So we have what we call kindergarten to career. So we do different things. So, um, so for the little tiny ones, like for the kindergarten grade one, two, three, four, five, um, you can go online and you can get to our junior jets and those are little videos and teachers or parents can grab those and just show their teacher or sorry, show their kids, um, these little videos, or you can contact us and we can have someone present them, uh, either in person or virtual. Like we can have a pilot do it or an air traffic controller or maintenance or business aviation, whatever it might be. We can have people present them. So that that's what we do for, for the younger kids. And there's more videos coming out. Um, and then for grade six to grade 12, we have, and this is fabulous. We have a one week program where the kids, so all different, so different weeks are for different ages. So grade six might come a grade six class or a grade eight class or grade 12 class. And the kids get to come, the students get to come to the airport for an entire week and high school students get credits for it. So here in Edmonton, they'll come in, they'll get to go and play with drones. They get to go into the air traffic control center. They'll go to the airport and learn about the airport. They'll go to Canadian North and you get to learn about structure. And sometimes Canadian North turns their 737 to an escape room. Um, and they, oh, really? That's fun. It's so cool. And um, Executive Flight Center is very involved in the ramp services and, and the different things that they do there and fueling. And even the teachers, after they're done our week, are like, this was the most amazing week of school. Um, and they all come in and they get to learn about these careers. And this is in Calgary as well. It's already up and running in Calgary. Of course, it's closed for the summer, but in this, in September, it'll start again. Winnipeg, I believe, is our next one that we're opening. And then uh, we're going to hopefully be opening them at airports all across Canada, Ottawa, Toronto, Montreal, and um, just take this program all across Canada because it's such a great program to expose the youth into these careers that they truly, most of them have never thought of before. Mm-hmm. I know real estate agents that made hundreds of thousands of dollars a year that still worked part-time on the ramp just because they loved it that much. It. They didn't need to do it. They didn't need yeah. to carry heavy bags around and do all the things and be out in the cold, but they continued to do it because they loved it, right? Like that's the kind of stuff. Now at aviation.ca on the careers, I mean, there's a long list and description of all the different kinds of careers, things that you might not think of like uh, uh, aircraft mechanic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's also um, some of the other engineering bits and pieces of aviation that are there as well, aerospace engineer, but it's expensive though. Um, one of the things that we've struggled with, with Carter was that we saved up and we had RESPs and all the various things to get them started. It's not going to be enough to get them there. There's going to have to be some grants, some sponsorships or some loans that finish that. How does somebody go about and learn 
What's even possible? Because it is expensive if in the pilot realm anyway. The pilot realm, yeah. Like for air traffic control, for instance, um, now different streams, different things, but I'll, I'll just roughly, I'll say to train as an air traffic controller, um, you get paid about $50,000 a year to train. And then when you qualify, you get, you start at 100, 150 or so and, and up you go. Um, pilots, on the other hand, uh, yes, it is expensive. And uh, Sophia Wells, who uh, just recently is no longer, but has been the chief flight instructor at the Edmonton Flying Club, um, ran a pilot pathway program in conjunction with Elevate. And the goal with that pilot pathway program is to bring the companies in Alberta together to try to bring, you know, Flair and WestJet and CanWest and the flying schools and bring everyone together and say, how can we do this without fighting for the people? How can we do this more affordable? Um, we're working with the government as well. So flying schools uh, can now have access to um, funding when they want to train a flight instructor. So you can get three quarters of it paid now. So there's different programs that I know the government is really trying to help as well, because there's um, bursaries that were just announced. So they're, they're just trying to figure out how to give out the money, but for everyone out there who's taking their pilot license, try to figure this out or contact us. Um, and when we know more, we'll let you know, but they're giving, I believe it was supposed to be $10,000 for anyone who applies and qualifies for this money to take their training. Uh, don't quote me on that. We will find out when the, when the yeah, specifically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But we're trying to, you know, and there's scholarships out there. My son is also a pilot. He just took a job with Palo out East. So he, he left to go to Halifax. Um, it's, ex it is expensive. It's very expensive, but there, you know, the industry is trying to find ways to fix it right now. There's a lot of conversations going on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's so fascinating to get into. Uh, if you had to pick one favorite part, like I'm asking you, like, what's your favorite kid here? But what what um, if you can only do one one part of it tomorrow? What would that one part of it be? It might not even be a job that you're doing today. Okay, well, um, I made a documentary, and um, so I'm an honorary colonel in the military. And uh, shout out to the RCAF and the amazing people that are that are doing the jobs that they do, like. Just incredible, and and four seventeen squadron, yay! Four seventeen squadron uh, is a, a great squadron. So, I got to learn about some careers through there. And now, I always say air traffic control is the best, but <laughs> everyone says their jobs are the best in aviation. But a SAR tech, had I known earlier, and we got to follow them with the documentary, and um, wow, that's an incredible job. So, if I was starting over again and I had an opportunity, I think I'd, I think I'd try out the SARTEC and see if I could qualify in that. And and that, that's just fascinating. You get to repel out of helicopters and save people. And... Well, I was going to say, search and rescue is a lot different than than um, your boardroom with your screens, right? Yes. Yeah, it is so different. But I've got to repel and stuff, and it's just, it's so much fun. It's so exciting. We did some RUIT training. I don't know if you know what RUIT training is. No, it. I don't. It's, it's uh, they do it in Halifax, rely on new tech, where you get in a helicopter, body of a helicopter, and it goes underwater and flips upside down, and the water all goes up your nose, and you have to escape out of this helicopter. And they train wow. you how to escape if it crashes into the, into the ocean. So, um, yeah, that's, I think... I think if there was anything else I would do, it might have been that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a fun way to spend your day, trying to not but die. There's, and there's so many cool things. Like uh, a friend of ours, uh, Marla, she works for a company right now. She used to be an aircraft maintenance engineer in the F-18s. And now she works with a private company that has built the uh, the Canada Arm, the Canada Arm 3, mm. that cleans space junk in space. And like there's just so many incredible opportunities in this aviation and aerospace industry. I love it. Uh, so where can everyone get the documentary, by the way? Uh, the documentary is going to be on Super Channel this fall. So um, being out west, if people are out west, they can go on Super Channel. And it's called Only Up, and it'll come out this fall on Super Channel. I'm not sure where else yet. Um, we'll, we'll post it on our social media when it, when it actually comes out. But for now, it's going to be on Super Channel in Canada. That's exciting. Mm -hmm. It's busy. Do you sleep? Would be the next logical question. Uh, I sleep a little bit. I I would like a little bit more sleep, but there's there's so much work <laughs> to do. And I just want to mention too, some of our other programs in the learning center. We have a nine week program. This one's just for women. 
it's free. It's nine week program where women come in and they obtain uh, all the skill, like like the skills like resume writing, and um, they learn about aviation and they learn about a bunch of different careers. And over those nine weeks, and at the end of the nine weeks, we've got them set up to go into careers in aviation, help introduce them to our partnering companies to hire them. So there's this great nine week program and we um, Elevate just received a $5 million grant uh, over the last few months. And that's helping us uh, start a flight attendant course. Again, it is, it is fully funded. So there's a flight attendant course. There's a nine week maintenance course that people can come in and take. There's um, for pilots, you can get your free ground school, four hours of flying and four hours of ground time around your airplane. That's another course. Uh, so there's a bunch of different courses that we're doing and more that are coming. And a lot of them are open to all genders. Um, so people should you know check them out and maybe, you know, really just go, huh, I never thought about aviation before. Maybe I should, maybe I should try that industry. Beautiful. How can people connect with you if they do have questions? Uh, they can go to info at elevateaviation.ca would probably be the best way. For the email, elevateaviation.ca is the website to go check it out. The learning center is at the top of it. If you want to learn more, maybe kickstart something or pass it on to somebody who absolutely might love it. It's been a real pleasure to meet you. Thank you for taking the time to be with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. This is the Shift Podcast. System breach. What just happened? Someone hacked me. Ladies and gentlemen, Hank the Hacker. <laughs> Welcome back to Sundays, buddy. Um, Thank you so much. For those who don't know Hanky, um, he is a white hat hacker, much like a locksmith, you would say. He works to protect other businesses because he knows how to do the hacky hacky things. And um, we talked about all summer long, the uh, summer of cyber safety. And we're you know, not actually going to continue that conversation so, uh, so much as we will just continue chatting about your safety and things going on about it. And uh, Hank helps us understand some of the reasons how things happen in the background, therefore allowing us to be more aware in the foreground as we check things out. Now, we have a couple of things that we're going to get into today. One is job applications. We'll do that second. First, devices. Now, if you've listened to Hank the Hacker before, he's talked about, you know, rings and various devices that can read cell phones because your cell phone is communicating and sending all kinds of signals out there. There was a really great article that I've, I, I found about USB cords, USB jacks in coffee shops, restaurants, airports, everything else. People can go in and put things in there that can get into your phone and cause bad things to happen. Where do you want to take that to start, Hank? Let's, uh, let's tee it up and let you uh, drive it down the fairway. Oh man, could I ever, I could talk all night about these things. And I'm super excited that we're talking about the topic in general, because there's just so much that's constantly evolving so quickly with these malicious implants. And that's kind of what, what I've kind of coined or started calling them is just malicious implants. So, um, you mentioned the charging cable, which is actually an excellent place to start because, the FBI, for example, has been warning people about this for years. That you know, they're talking about don't plug your your devices into public charging stations and free charging stations and whatnot. Um, but we've never actually kind of seen it happen. You know, like I'm not sure how many lis- listeners have plugged their phone into a public charging station and actually seen something happen. And I think that that's going to start to change because the ease of access to these devices you know if we were looking at five years ago one of these malicious implants for a charging station for a hacker to go and purchase that would have actually costed twenty thousand dollars wow and to go and make one now it's it's very cheap it's sub twenty dollars and you kind of see the same thing with all those car hacking tools right now they're in that fifteen to twenty thousand dollar range and in a few years here, like less than a decade, it's going to be that sub-$20 range. And mm-hmm. 
so the same thing is happening here where these charging cables, you can even go buy a charging cable right now. It's called an OMG cable. And it, it basically acts like a keyboard and a, and a mouse. And so it can do anything with your device that you could do. Say you have an, a half an hour with your device and you can change the password or do something. These devices can do it in a few seconds. Mm -hmm. And the scary thing is they even have built-in Wi-Fi networks. So if, you know, if someone plugs one of these devices in, when it powers up, it actually starts to broadcast an accessible Wi-Fi network as well. So people can, tr like a hacker, can trigger uh, commands from up to 10 kilometers away, depending on, on the equipment that they're using. Uh, so it's really alarming how flexible hmm. and how cheap these malicious implants are starting to get. Well, let's start that. Is there like a dark web Amazon where we could just go shopping and buy this stuff and have it shipped overnight to our house? I mean, how does that work? Because we're talking about somebody thing. who's built a cord, put a chip or something inside a cord and, uh, you know, put some bad things in the programming. It's not like you can just go yeah. to a place like Amazon and buy that. Can you? You actually can. So this is something that I think we're kind of massaging. And I think as um, legislation starts to get massaged around these kinds of things, I think we just had, uh, you know, don't quote me on this, but I think it was Bill C-26 just recently for uh, cybersecurity. But as these legislation kind of gets worked on, these things shouldn't be as easy to get access to. But you can go on websites like Amazon, Hack5, um, the charging cable that I'm talking about is actually just on a website called OMG. And they're, they're really popular devices. I actually, I'm sure some of the listeners uh, tonight have, will recognize the term flipper. Uh, it's like this new little kind of hacking toy that, that was being sold on Amazon it just got removed off of Amazon because it's it, it's considered a fraudulent or a credit card fraud device now. Um, but yeah, you can pretty well go buy one of these cables just about anywhere online. And there's even kits sold for educating people about it, like an educational kit. Uh, and they're really easy to get. <laughs> okay, so when we go buy, this is the part that, that becomes, I think, confusing because when we talk about an iPhone charging cable, which hopefully that's going to change this week with the announcements, but you know, it's proprietary cable that Apple charges way too much money for. And so everybody wants to buy one at the gas station or whatever, just to, even if it only lasts for a few weeks, it's still, you can go, you can buy 25 of them before you need one from Apple, right? Yeah. And, but, we don't know where they're coming from. I mean, I have one. They some, you know, put chips in them that can read your phone, steal your stuff, whatever. Um, I, I mean, I have one that has a chip inside the U. I mean, all the USBs in order to manage the electricity have a little chip in there. They have a little brain. This one has a pretty big chip, but it's an LED cord that blinks and flashes and looks all pretty when you plug it in oh, when yeah. it's charging, right? So these kinds of things there is no standard on like when you used to go buy a light bulb it had to be cse cse approved right but it had to be approved for use there is no control or standard for any of this stuff is there no and that's exactly it i mean my my first example for stuff like this is you know we look at amazon uh, amazon has a service called fulfillment with amazon and what that is is basically you can fill a box of uh, say you're selling iPhone charging cables. You can fill a box of those iPhone charging cables, um, ship them off to Amazon, and Amazon will actually sell them for you as an Apple product. And so the scary thing is, I you know I have one of these charging cables here, and uh, I'll send you some photos that we can post on the page for recognizing them as well. But they look very similar to a real. Apple charging cable and and there's USB-C versions and this and that but if like 
it, it's scary to think that you could actually order an Apple charging cable off Amazon and it could very well be one of these malicious cables that someone has implanted into a fulfillment with Amazon service. And mm -hmm. so I'm not about to tell anyone to avoid using Amazon, but buyer uh, caution is definitely a big point here. And, you know, things like purchasing your charging cables from actual Amazon retailers uh, would be a good idea. And again, with that convenience over security, like how much do you value your security and, and how much is this a problem to you that you're willing to take the time and go through the trouble to go to an Apple retailer and purchase a charging cable for, like you said, this massive, massive uh, markup in price. So I'm assuming we would run into the same scenario with the plugs for the walls because they have chips in them to control things as well. And then they're connected to a normal cord that connects to your phone. One of the pieces that I read had said that uh, somebody will say, well, yeah, here's a cable, or they'll leave a cable lying around, right? Go to an airport, leave a cable lying around. Yeah. Someone's going to scoop yeah. it up. And then they take that cable, and that cable will have a little program in it that will kind of your phone will flicker when you plug it in, and it's already getting power from your phone because you've plugged it into your phone now. And then it, it does a little, runs a little program, and then connects for wherever in the world on the Internet that other person is and gives them control and access to their phone only because that little software piece was buried inside that cable is that legitimate is that possible yeah, that's the exact idea is anything that you can do just by tapping around on your phone uh, this cable can do and so just by plugging that cable into your phone it it'll happen very quickly it'll just kind of jump around and do its thing and next thing you know i mean if you want to see an example of it you can go on youtube as well and search omg cable and uh we can but it's one. very quick and they even like the scary thing is say you know you plug this into your phone it infects your phone but say you plugged it into your computer to power it like you were charging it from your laptop or something it can also execute on the laptop side hmm. so it, it 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 can not only infect the phone but it can also infect the laptop and so that's why i think it's very important for people uh to know kind of some tips about how to kind of be aware of these devices and uh, some ways of fighting them. What kind of information in a case like that would they be going for? If they have access to your phone, the old days would be to run some sort of spam off your email, um, then send phishing links back to whatever, hide a website behind your website. Those are sort of the old hacking methods. So what is the benefit? It seems like an awful lot of work to get one person's credit card number. Oh boy. I mean, just be creative and I'm going to use my, my ethical hacker mind here, <laughs> but, um, you know, imagine one of these things is is put at a, a coffee shop in an airport and the goal or the payload that the malicious implant, you plug your phone in to charge it and it starts screen mirroring or it makes it so someone else can watch your screen remotely and see all the web banking that you might be running since you're at the airport. Uh, right. It can see any of the credentials that you're using to log in because you're on a new Wi-Fi at the airport. Um, so there's a lot of reasons and, and a lot of different places that you might see someone put these in. But it, just speaking generally, they would be after personal information. And one of the immediate um, examples that I see the media jump to in, in general is just photos. Imagine if every single photo on your phone, both deleted and not deleted, were extracted, you know, it, regardless of if there were any personal photos right. on there, it's still just not a good time. And that might include um, Wi-Fi passwords, if you have any remembered Wi-Fi passwords, autofill passwords uh, for your, your phone's browser and stuff like that. So it just you know, be creative and anything that's on your phone, they could also have access to by, by exploiting it. All right. So there you go. Um, don't talk to anybody. Don't share anything. 
Go live in a log cabin in the woods. Get off the internet. Um, okay, Hank the Hacker is here. I'm Shane Hewitt. Another uh, hacking thing that's happening is uh, job scams. Now, job scams is actually not really the hacking thing. There's what I've learned, and I learned this with Hank's help actually, that the um, what we see is is we see usually a hack that happens on a business where they duplicate their website, maybe change phone numbers on that website so calls don't actually go to the business. Stuff like that. Then they put out job ads. People apply for the job ads. You share an awful lot of information about yourself for job ads. And then you send that stuff out. And then now they have more information. They get as much out of it as you can. Give us your bank account so we can transfer your paycheck, whatever it is that comes. And now they have even more information. So the job itself isn't really the hack. This is more of a hijacking or theft, isn't it? A little bit you of know, all the above, maybe. I, I, same thing here. It could, it's all of the above. It, it just depends on the hacker's agenda. And I really liked um, what Ryan said before we came on about like, if if I have the opportunity to go and have a job interview in person, absolutely, I I wouldn't do it without doing that that job interview in person. And because these these job scams are starting to become so common. Uh, that it's it's difficult. Like even I, when I was job hunting, um, the job I'm in now, I'm working at X10, and they, I almost didn't take the job because I thought that the person asking for my resume uh, was just another another hacker <laughs> or another scammer. And so it's even weirder for pen testers to to do this, but. Uh, yeah, it's the same thing where it just kind of depends on their agenda. What's their currency and what is the hacker after? Um, and it doesn't just go for, you know, people who are looking for a job, but companies who are hiring for a position as well. I, I've i seen many companies now um, in my incident response career where the cause of their compromise or the hack if you will, uh, was basically a malicious resume being dropped on the company. And oh, no we way. even, someone sent us a resume once uh, at my old job. And, you know, we looked at the resume and it basically, it waited for you to hit enable editing on the document and then it would drop ransomware. And so it's, you have to be very cautious when searching for a job, but also when hiring an employee because of those things. So PDFs really is what you're talking about mostly, I'm assuming, or is that all documents? Mostly dot, like the dot docx files, um, but PDFs as well. Yeah, it's less common now because Microsoft has introduced some fixes, but that's kind of the old school thing you would see. Now um, it's it's mostly things like, like you said, with uh, targeting per pri personally identifiable information um, you know, make a payment here and then we can get you the job, stuff like that. Uh, it, it's definitely a good idea if you're searching for a job and, and you have an offer and you don't feel totally good about it, set up an in-person meeting. There's nothing more valuable than setting up that, that in-person meeting in terms of showing how much you want the job for one. But to just seeing that these people are real and that you're not falling into a scam. Mm. Well, lots of jobs are hired on Zoom today, video calls, all those things. Um, yeah. Can we trust that? Honestly, yeah. Uh, that's Again, that's how I got my job now, so I can't say not to. Um, but it's definitely worth taking a little bit of extra due diligence. And one really good piece of advice is if you get contacted by a company offering a position, reach out to the company give the company a call and and just over the phone through a confirmed line of communication with said company make sure that it's a legitimate offer who's got icq on the background there huh <laughs> that's my text that's my text alert um so okay but for jobs when we're looking at jobs and all the different things that go around it those communication bits that becomes difficult doesn't it I, it makes me think of all the social media people out there the people who receive that message that says hey we love your profile we want to pay you to endorse our product to send yeah. you this information and all that stuff some of that is legitimate some of that is organizations trying to reach out and get you to do stuff lots of it's not and so how do you wade through it in order to figure out what is legitimate what is not hank 
honestly that's that's the golden question and the best thing you can do is just again make sure that you're reaching out to to legitimate lines of of contact so exam for example if um i were getting a job from actually the the company i was getting my job from right now i reached out to them to confirm that there was an actual job offer uh or and and then kind of move on from there into the job interview stage and it's also i mean you know if you're communicating with them by via email looking at things like the sender and making sure that it's not just a spoofed sender so what i mean is look at the entire address like including what's in the brackets on the right of the email mm -hmm. uh just googling do you find that that just google the the company and see if the website's the same like some of those basics because the way i understand search engines is that if somebody creates a new website it's probably not going to perform as well as the old website because that's already been there for 10 years stuff like that should you just start googling people google the boss any of those things I, I love the way that it, you explained the kind of the search engine optimization, the way they rank, like, you know, if I make a new website, a new, um, the shift website, it's not going to be as high on Google as the real one. And so it, this is always kind of fluctuating and it's hard to answer for sure. Uh, if Google will bring you <laughs> to the, uh, this golden path, if you will. But, mm -hmm. um, I think I think right now it's good. I think it's in a, a good spot right now, but you you have to be careful because only a few months ago we saw um, people, hackers and cyber criminals renting sponsored Google spaces in order to have their malicious ads sit on on the top of Google re results. So um, when you're when you're doing these searches, I would always ignore the ones at the very top that say sponsored on the yeah. left of them. <laughs> That's well, the not to mention you're giving advice. free money to Google. And chances yeah. are, if you're looking for like Mike's Mechanic Shop and it's the number one and then number two, if you go to number two, it's the same link and Mike doesn't have to pay for that. Yeah. Uh, that's a thing. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Hank the Hacker is here, a white hat hacker, trying to do all the security things to keep everybody safe. If you have any questions, you can ask them on the Facebook group. Tag Hank Fordham. He's there for you or me, and we will pass them on next Sunday. We will be back chatting more with uh, cybersecurity, cyber safety, and what you need to know, the basics of understanding your safety as you operate online in our uh, ever-growing online world. Thanks so much for being here, Hank. Thank you so much for having me, Shane. And guys carry a, an external charger like a yeah. battery bank and then then you don't gotta worry take one with you take yours be prepared <laughs> when you get out into the wild world you need new cords and cables this is the shift podcast are you are you, are you okay 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 are you okay with 877-399-9898. That's our phone number here on The Shift. You can uh, text in your thoughts on these stories that might make you ponder with Hank the Hacker. Our conversation is about phone cords and hacking your phone and how all those things can go terribly wrong if you have a bad guy cord. That's not what he called it, clearly, but that's what I called it. So let's get started right there, shall we? Are you okay with new phones? Mm. What's new Pahoney? You know what's... Yeah, you know what's weird is so I got an iPhone almost I guess it would be a year and a half ago now about for the first time in my life never had an iPhone. And mm -hmm. before that when I was with Samsung phones, I always wanted the new Samsung. But with the iPhone, I'm totally fine with the one I have. Like I don't feel the same urgency to get the new one although they're, you know, who knows what the new one has. But right now, right. like, I'm fine with just the 13 Pro, I think is what I have. It's a nice phone, and I don't really see what else it could add to make it better. I feel like we're kind of reaching that point now where phones are so good that the new features are kind of just like novelty ones. Like, hey, look, it can flip and fold now. Yeah. Well, that could be because Samsung actually does update their phones and Apple really doesn't. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that. a very good, very valid point. But, but ooh, there's I, the fancy notch. 
Yeah, we, right. there's, but there, you know, so they have reached a point here where it, it doesn't really matter what you have. I mean, yeah. the cameras are so much better than they ever used to be. The processors are so much better than they ever used to be. I mean, they got caught with that whole planned obsolescence batteries oops from a few years ago. So that's really fixed up a lot of stuff too. And then, of course, there's courts and stuff of what's going on. Now, every year, which maybe that's the problem, that every year it's the next big thing. And then multiple times yeah. a year, it's like, here's the iPad, here's the you know iPod, which they don't even do, and all that stuff. So maybe it's just burnout. Maybe we're tired of being excited. I remember, too, being like, oh, the new phone's coming out. I got to get it. And then someone would get it at the office. I'm like, oh, Steve got the new phone, man. It's so cool. And then everyone else wanted the new phone. It was different when Face ID came in and all these different things, but not so much anymore. Now, maybe marginally better. Apple, I think, is the guiltiest of all the guilty. Now, one thing that has stayed the same with Apple has been the proprietary lightning plug. But last year, something happened that could break that trend of them being the only one using that stupid plug. Soon, your iPhone may use the same charger as your friend's Android phone. Today, the European Union approved a plan which would force all companies, including Apple, to make mobile devices that use the same charger. In this case, they'd use the USB-C charger. Now, that's not what Apple uses now. Mobile devices must be compatible in Europe by the fall of 2024. Companies will have a little more time to convert laptops... Now, CBS News, that was a report from last year. It's all taking effect now. And, I mean, we talk about this eco world and let's be responsible and all these cool things that we do. But then they're like, here's a thousand cords you have to have that you can use for nothing else. That's not wasteful. So, Apple is going to reveal its new phone. They believe with a USB-C sharching point. (laughs) It's got a sharding point on it? Sharding. Oh, that's an unfortunate typo. Also, not exactly incorrect. Yeah. That's a typo. The way they bleed out energy. You ever check your battery health to see how healthy it is? How much it deteriorates over a year and a half? Yeah, that's batteries, though. Mm -hmm. Um, That's one of those beautiful things about batteries that are going to save the world is that they erode. Okay. um, Charging? Charging. Charging. Uh, yes. very good. Sean Connery yeah. shed it. Just like that. Charging point. <laughs> Charging. That's, That's what it very is. Good. <laughs> Apple announced its fall special event on Tuesday, sending out a press invites for the morning of September 12th. So Tuesday. Invitees will get to attend an in-person at the Steve Jobs Theater inside Apple Park. They've got their own theater, kind of underground thing. It's kind of cool. The company's headquarters in California, where the general public can watch online, which I did that once. I watched online. And it forced it in like the highest definition of high de- high def, and it burned through mm-hmm. all my data in a trip from home to the grocery store. And I wasn't even watching; I was just listening. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's high quality. No. They're calling it Wonderlust. Now the company is expected to unveil the iPhone 15, iPhone 15 Pro, with rumors that the next generation of the iPhone will bring significant upgrades, like new colors. <laughs> That's significant. <laughs> Better battery performance, which everybody asks for every single time there's a new phone, and a switch from Apple's proprietary lightning connector to the USB-C, which people have been asking for for years. Faster charging, highly improved camera capabilities, and this is 9to5Mac, by the way. They're a great website online for all these rumors. Tech blog that closely follows Apple rumors. Will it tempt you to buy a new phone, Ryan O'Donnell? Uh the USB-C, yes, absolutely. It's just a better cord, and it's nice to have... Like, for example, I only have one lightning cord. I have two Apple products. So I'm sitting at my desk right now. I've got my PC here, and I've got probably four different devices that use USB-C, and if any of them need to charge, I can just keep that plug, uh, keep that cord plugged into my computer, charge no problem. It's just really annoying and wasteful to have to use the lightning. And also, it's so old. I've been going through my old iPod, which I got in 2013. And I'm able to charge it using the same cord that I got from my brand spanking new iPhone a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's it's time for a change. That's a really good upgrade. Um, and also, I will say, color does matter. 
half the reason I got the phone I did is because it's in dark green and I love dark green. So it, that does, if they have a new dark green phone for 15, I'm sold. Okay. I did hear that phone calls sound better in dark green. Jono. Yes. Uh, <laughs> new phone for you. Are you tempted? No, I think I'm just going to stick with my iPhone 11. It's still charging right next to me and it only has 20% battery. Oh, wow. See, there you yeah. go. I, um, I, I use the wireless charging pads everywhere. I have them all over the house. So I have one on my nightstand, one on my desk, one in the kitchen. They're everywhere. One next to the TV. So when I sit down, I just put my phone down and then it's wireless, wireless charging in my car. So I just goes clink against the windshield, off it goes. So uh, that's USB-C cords usually. So that's kind of nice, got to say. Um, oh, there's a good text. It says, I'd like to see them invent a new color. Very nice. Well done. If they were to invent a new color, they will charge you an extra $1,000 for it, I'm sure. That's the biggest thing is the cost of the Apple products have exponentially exploded. So expensive. You for have like to do payment plans, right? Like the most just, valuable it's like, it's like company in the world. <laughs> like they have all yeah. the money, right? Yeah. And they have all the money and they don't, uh, they don't seem to care. They still keep charging more and more. Prices are not coming down. Are you okay with... Cleaning your fridge. It is my least favorite thing to clean. There is nothing I hate more uh, than going through my fridge. Yes, because I always forget about like the half tomato that I use for breakfast wrapped in saran wrap and put back in the drawer. And then a month later, oh, that's now juice. Oh, that's now not <laughs> solid. It's just always something I forget. So it's always nasty and every time i think it's going to be better i'm not going to miss make the same mistakes it's going to be clean no it is the one adulting thing that i have not adulted on i'm just it's a roadblock and i'm kind of mm. content with it at this point uh toilet though right like come on what do you mean i clean my toilet my bathroom's clean no issues there you have no problem with cleaning a toilet but you have a problem with a tomato in your fridge it, sometimes it's an avocado. Sometimes uh, it's um, uh, fruits. It's usually just something perishable. Very good. Um, well, that's and uh, sometimes something in Tupperware, which mm. is not mm. like I definitely have some rice that I cooked two weeks ago that's in Tupperware that I just remembered that I should probably throw out now. So nah, yeah. that's fine. Once you're a dad, you can handle that. Um, the uh, There was a time when I was in college where I did have Kraft Dinner in a pot that actually um, like put Kraft Dinner noodle grooves in the pot. <laughs> it was in there so long. <laughs> like it eroded the metal. <laughs> uh, well, better the metal than your stomach, I guess. If ever I find a dead body, my brain, the neural pathways in my brain are going to go, oh, bad Kraft Dinner. Because I think that's what yep. it smells like. Okay, here's a headline for you about the fridge. Three-legged bear named Tripod takes three cans of White Claw from Florida family's fridge. Oh, by the way, it was Florida. I don't know how things work in Florida, which from your description sounds like a colorful, lawless swamp. <laughs> a family in Florida recently saw something rather unusual on their home security system. A three-legged bear. Wouldn't you call it a two-legged bear with arms like that? Really? Because they seem to. Well, no, they don't have. They don't have arms. They just have legs. But they're more like a right? T-Rexy, you know. They can be, yeah. They're, they look so dopey when they stand up. Like they just look so goofy and cuddly, and then they go on all fours and terrifying. So I'm assuming it was one of the uh, front legs that was missing, like a one-armed bear. Because I feel like one-armed bear is better. Because if it's a three-legged bear with, because I mean, how does it run? If I'm if I'm remembering this correctly, I think tripod might actually have two arms and one hind leg. Um, really? Tripod, hold on, tripod the bear. Let's see. Well done, uh, he is missing one his front right arm slash leg. So he's got okay. he's both of his hind hind legs. Yes. Okay. Well, that makes much yeah. more sense for me then. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, family. Florida home security system, a three-legged bear stealing white claw hard seltzers. Good taste. This is very Florida of you from the outdoor fridge. Mm -hmm. 
13-year-old Joseph Diglio was watching TV Sunday. Barking from the family's dog, Bruno clued him in there was something outside. Oh my God, there's a literal bear in our patio. This is the hole the bear ripped open to get inside. And once in, he went over here to the fridge and got two white claws. Mango and strawberry, in case you were wondering. Oh, look, he just opened the door. <laughs> He's about to take the beer. He's about to take the beer. And while the bear's ability to open the fridge was pretty cool, it was also kind of concerning. Well, once I saw him open the fridge, I got scared that he could open the doors to, like, the houses. I feel like I got to lock all the doors now. Oh, my God. Okay, I gotta go lock out my dog. But it was ultimately barks from Bruno that scared the bear away. Just part living where we live, honestly. Uh, honestly, thank you very much. Um, that report was from WESH News. Yes, that's WESH News or WESH News. Uh, images taken after tripod left show he opened the fridge with a keg in it. <laughs> and remnants of three White Claw cans, because only in Florida you would put your empty White Claw cans back into the fridge. Oh, um, no, no, sorry. He opened and consumed the White Claws. Very good. Yeah. The yeah. bear also approached their fish tank and took some fish food. The family thinks the bear was just trying to crush cans or cool off. Mm -hmm. It's a top uh, Florida story. Right? Um... <laughs> I feel like the bear, after drinking all those White Claws, had to do, like, the walk of shame the next morning home in mm -hmm. the same clothes as yesterday. Yep. Or felt you know like doing, mean? like, an arm wrestling contest with its one arm. With its one arm. Mm -hmm. Oh. Poor, poor tripod. Uh, <laughs> when I was looking up that, <laughs> that story, I found, um, like, I basically searched, like, all bad stereotypes for White Claws. And there was a picture of a uh, of a baby getting baptized, but, like, the minister oh or the priest God. or whatever was <laughs> baptizing it, pouring White Claw over its head. <laughs> oh, my God. People love that Ooh. stuff, man. Yeah, that's funny stuff. I've never had one, I can say. No, they're not no. bad. Like, they're, no. they kind of taste like uh, this comparison is they taste like TV static. It's a, it, it makes no sense when you hear it, but when you try it, you know exactly what I mean. Like it's the flavor's there, but it's there for like a split second, and then you're left with muted alcohol. So mm. it's it's good for like drinking games because you don't get so bloated, but like just drinking a cold one on a patio is a little strange. So it's almost exclusively, at least in my opinion, something you drink to get like drunk with, which I don't do very often. So I think people feel yeah. like it's keeping them skinny. Because there's not a lot of flavor, right? That was the whole point. Was low yeah, calories. There's, yeah, and there's no like no calories. Right. Or, so maybe there's a few. Yeah. I feel it tastes oh. like shame and embarrassment. Is what I feel like it tastes like. Oh, big time for a lot of people. Oh. Yep. Oh, big time. Are you okay with pranks? Ugh, nothing on pranks. Mm. I'm not a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, if, if if it's well constructed, if the payoff, you know, like impractical jokers, that show. Those pranks are brilliant. They're so funny. Nobody really gets hurt. It's just usually for each other's enjoyment. And I'm okay with that. But standard YouTube, TikTok pranks, I just, I can't stand. It's it's just like a low form of comedy for me. Mm. Yeah, I would agree. I, I mean, I, I don't know. A little joke here and there is fun, but I just feel like it sort of erodes confidence and trust. I, I don't know. It's a, and I hate the the boost gear stuff. Like, ooh, no way. A prankster in Chicago pulled off a truly brilliant park uh, prank in the city, and it's also not a very cool one too. It involves a beach, a sign, and some nudists. Someone put up a phony sign declaring Loyola Beach a nude beach. Take a look at this photo posted on Facebook by the local alderwoman, Maria Haddon. The sign reads, Nude Beach Past This Sign. It even has an official-looking logo for the Chicago Park District. Despite the authentic look, beachgoers in Rogers Park should keep their clothes on because it is not real. The alderwoman says her office contacted the Park District to have the sign removed. Are you up to your old pranks again? <laughs> <laughs> Just keep it to the speedo, right? <laughs> That's pretty good for TV jokes. Give you credit. It is pretty good. That's what, there's a reason I left that in. There's a reason. 
I like that. CBS, by the way. Uh, in a Facebook post on the subject, Alderman Haddon noted that in 1932, then Alderman George Williston, which I think we're supposed to call them counselors now, had introduced a resolution to allow for nude beach sunbathing at that very same beach. Turns out that beach has nearly become a nude beach several times over the last century. Nudity on Chicago beaches remains prohibited. And for that matter, Chicago beach, uh, beach is closed for the season after Monday anyway. I mean, like, close for the season. What does that mean? You're not allowed to go to the beach? It's just like it's not organized anymore. I don't, like, nude beaches, really, like, it's just, it's, we've got some silly culture things on it, right? Yeah, it's not a big deal. I will say this beach is basically right in downtown Chicago. It is like a high visibility area. There's not a lot of privacy around this beach. So location-wise, I can understand maybe some hesitation for that, but in general, well, I, mean, I, I think that new it'd be weird for your coworkers quiet. at lunchtime, right? If you go down yeah, there, you're just like and you're <laughs> eating the, the Sears Tower, you look down. Oh, there's John. Oh, oh yeah. there's John. Hey, uh, he's late for the meeting. You're gonna have to go get him. So, but if it's never been a nude beach as far as you've worked downtown, and then all of a sudden there's a sign saying it's a nude beach, what goes off in your head that makes you go, "Oh yeah, today's the day." I'm taking it all <laughs> The time off. has come. Right? Like, I feel like if you're a nude beachgoer, then you go there prepared to set it all free. Yeah. you. Yeah. I don't feel like you go to the <laughs> yeah. beach and you're like, oh, this is a nude beach now. This is my first time ever. I am naked downtown. I, that doesn't seem like it's a thing. I think you're right. I think it's more people go see the sign and go, oh, maybe next time. There's no next time. Right. Good point. Yeah. Anyway, um, messing with signs is kind of a dangerous one, but if you're going to mess with any signs, yep. I'd say this is a pretty funny prank. Yeah. Fair it's, a, it, it's, it's a, yeah, it's not, this isn't a terrible prank. I mean, it's, it's, it's fine. Sorry. Don and Pembroke does let us know that the best name ever for a three-legged bear is three-legged bear. Very good. Um, bathing suits don't hide as much as people would like to believe they do. We might as well do away with them altogether. It's <laughs> yeah. a very good point. I mean, some of them, like, there's, uh, what's the point? And what are you wearing that for? Um, there's not a lot being covered. And you wear it proudly, friend. Set it free. Love that. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. 